a little bit shy. Those lights are really bright. Ah, over here. Come on up here, brother. Yes, there's two. Hallelujah. Come on up here, brother. You stay right here. Come on up here, brother. Pastor, I know I gave you one of my books. Can I get one back and I promise I'll get one another one to you? What's your name, young man? CJ. CJ? Joshua. Joshua. I just want you to know how much Jesus loves you so that he brought you here today to say how much he loves you. And it's been a rough road and sometimes you feel like you took the wrong road but Jesus says I got your name I got your name and I'm drawing you back to my heart again you haven't done anything that has made him love you any less or any more than he already does right now nothing Nothing disqualifies you. And for you to come up and stand in front of complete strangers lets me know that you are leaders. That you are leaders. That you are the head and not the tail. That nothing disqualifies you from sharing love because you're feeling it right now even as I'm singing over you and praying over you. There's a boldness that is within you that says, yes, I'm coming back, Jesus. I'm coming back because I knew, even when I was a young man, I knew what I was supposed to do, but I took my own route. And Jesus said, I knew. I knew what you were going to do. I knew what was going to happen, but I knew this day would come and you would come into New Horizon Church and you would feel my love like you haven't felt in years. And I would draw you back to my love because I have a plan and I have a purpose. And those plans will never stop because I have given you 
a heart of compassion for people that are hurting. And because of things that have come in your lives, you have hurt. And so you thought, I've been overlooked. There is no God. There's been times you have even questioned your own upbringing. And you thought, no, there is no God. Because if there was a God, why would this happen? But Jesus says, I saw it all along. I was there right in the middle of the pain. And I had a plan all along. I'll never leave you alone. I'll not forsake you, my son. I'm going to take you in even deeper than you've ever known. And you will begin to change the world around you. Because I've put a gift inside you. And I said, there is nothing impossible with me. And I'll give you the desires of your heart. And there's healing in these hands. There's healing in these hands. My son, I will heal the sick through this passionate heart that you have. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again through you, my son. And there is a wisdom inside of you. There is an insight that you can look in people's eyes and you can see deep into their soul. That's a gift that I've given to you, my son. And there's so much love that you carry that there will be those that will come alongside of you because they feel so safe with this love. Stretch your hands towards these two young men right now. We just pray a blessing and an increase. There will be many who will follow in your footsteps. There will be many that will look to you as a spiritual father. And they will look to you and surround themselves around you because you have an impact on the younger generation. And they'll say, I want to be just like you. You're a good dad. You're a good dad. You're a good dad. They're coming back because of you. They're coming back because of you. We bless everything you set your hands to. Take this book. In my story, there is freedom even as you read it. Bless them as they go. Do you love Jesus here today? It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He is drawing us. He's beckoning us back to this intimate connection. And I'm just going to speak to you just for a few minutes because I'm going to turn loose some revivalists on you. And I know I'm totally in agreement with Pastor. Do they call you Pastor Wolf or do they, what do they call you? They just Pastor Dwayne. I like Pastor Wolf. It seems real uh, like, mm, but I'll call you Pastor Dwayne. Is your beautiful wife here? Where? 
she's playing beautifully. This was not a part of the plan. Can I get you and your beautiful wife up here? Can I get you, Pastor Dwayne and Pastor Joel? Joel. Joel. Like in the Bible, Joel. Pastor Joel and Pastor Dwayne. Do you love these two? This is when you know that Jesus is in control because I had not planned this. You walked into the office and greeted me. Ah. And you had no clue. I've never met them. Never met them. Didn't even talk to them. My intern, Miss Tish, has been communicating with me, with you, Pastor Dwayne. I say Pastor Wolf. But when you came into the office and just gently greeted me, I turned around and I just saw the eyes of Jesus in you. There's so much love inside of you. And there's so much passion deep inside of you. And so many times the enemy has tried to get a hold of you. Mm-hmm. But my daughter, I have a plan for you much bigger than you even thought or dreamed possible. And even though there have been times where people have said things that have hurt you to the core, I've been there and I've heard it too. And I've said, no, that's not my daughter. I've got something much bigger for you. And I will make a way where there doesn't seem to be. Because in that secret place where it's just you and me and you sing my heart, you sing my words, you've touched my heart, my daughter. And all those tears, all those prayers you've prayed in the secret place, I have heard. And now it's time to be on the stage. There have been times in the past where you've been in the shadows. But it's time now, my daughter. Step out. Step out onto the stage. Because I'm going to make a way. I'll make a way. I'll make a way. There's going to be an increase in people inviting you to come and speak at different venues and different places because there is something shut up in your spirit that is about to be released. And there's been a stirring that you have felt and you have felt and you have felt and it's about to explode. What you have had has been good, but there is more. Mm, There is more. There's going to be a fresh baptism, a fresh infilling, a fresh infusion. 
and nothing will stand in your way. No words that have been spoken will stand in your way. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would take the healing balm of Gilead and completely, completely heal my sister from the top of her head to the soles of her feet, body, soul, and spirit, a renewing of the mind in Jesus' name. Oh, and my son, you think outside the box, and that's good because I'm outside of a box. I won't be put in a box. And my word will go out to the nations through your lips. My word will be going out. To reach the lost and dying world. For you have plowed. You have plowed the ground. You have planted seeds. But the winter is over and the springtime has come. And the harvest, the harvest will begin to come. And your building plans are already too small. Uh I feel strongly to encourage you that there will be those who will come alongside of you in unexpected ways to your vision and will begin to give into your vision for this community because this community is on your heart and it's on God's heart. And he says he will give you the desires of your heart because they're in communion with his heart and the building plan will happen in his timing and in his control and there will be those that will come alongside of you and will help you bear the load because that was not your to bear it's not yours to carry the load the Lord is bringing those and has already begun the process yours is to shepherd the people my people take care of my people feed my sheep feed my sheep you're like a Peter you're like a Peter who will stand and you will speak the words of my heart and you're not afraid to stand in the face of the enemy you'll stand in the lion's den and say not on my watch not on my watch let my people go let my people go and there will be a release in this area in this city because of what you carry There will be an increase in the community, but it will be outside the box. You've already begun by telling the people, be the church. Not just get them to come to church. You be the church. And it's already beginning to affect the community, and it will continue to happen in the workplaces, in the schools, in the hospitals, in the slums. Because you accept all people. So there will be an increase. Do you, do you write books? There's going to be more. Uh, uh, hmm. There's going to be more. That's why you need to have a team of people come around you. Because you're going to be shut away. And you need that time. You don't need to be doing all of these different things because God has an appointment.
appointment with you. And he's saying now is the time. Because you need to write. You need to write. The wisdom that you carry needs to be heard from the world perspective. Oh, come on. Bless your pastor and his wife. Bless them. Bless them. Holy, holy, holy. Jesus is amazing. Jesus is in this house. He's walking up and down the aisles because there is a passion and a hunger that you're pulling on. You're not wanting to do church in the normal, typical Sunday. Come to church, sit, fellowship, and then go back home. You want a fresh and filling, and it's happening. And there is going to be revival already spilling out into the streets. Get ready for it. What does that look like? It looks like giving up your seat on Sunday morning. You might have to give up your parking spot. You might have to be inconvenienced just a little bit because revival's happening and they're coming in. And listen, they may not be wearing the most expensive suits. And in fact, they may not smell the greatest but there is a hunger there is a passion there is a love they're searching for and you carry it you carry it you have the love of Jesus you have the love of Jesus so let him love you. My daughter sing the songs that he's given you. Sing it out. Sing it out for the audience of one. You have a love. You have a love. You have a love inside of you. Oh, and revival is going to happen again. As in the days of old, the Holy Spirit's going to show up in power and anointing because people are looking for true love. They're not looking for church. There's been enough church. There's been enough preaching. There's been enough programs. They're looking for love and you carry it. When you smile at someone at Walmart, do you have a Walmart here? Yeah. When you smile, You share the love of Jesus And they want to know Why are you smiling When there's nothing to smile about Oh my daughter I have a call for you I have a plan And it's to love my people You have a love inside of you But the enemy has said I'm disqualified. I don't know how to love people. I don't know how to love myself. But Jesus says, my daughter, I love you. I qualify you. And I accept you. And that love will reach into the hearts of others. Hallelujah. 
You know, when you are passionately, madly in love with Jesus, you all of a sudden don't care what people may think about you because it's all about him. And the very thing that I had prayed about for you this morning, you are walking in this deep love, but there's three lenses that you've been looking through and you fit in one of these three lenses. And my question is to you, the same question that Jesus posed to the 12 disciples when he said, people are talking about me. What are they saying about me? What do they say about the son of God? And then he turns to the disciples because the disciples said, they say that you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you are John the Baptist. And Jesus turns and he says, who do you say I am? Who do you say that I am? And I'm asking you, my daughter, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Am I your healer? Am I your deliverer? Am I your soon and coming king? Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And do you know that Jesus and his disciples walked the planet for three and a half years together? And all of his disciples looked at Jesus before he died and rose again through the lens of a possession or a position, I'm sorry, a position. He's the son of God, but they didn't quite understand what that meant. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but bless you brother for putting all the scriptures in because I I will get to it in a second I'm getting just a little bit excited up in here because I'm telling you that if they looked at him for three and a half years and didn't quite get it where does that leave us today now listen when he died and rose again they got it but while he was walking with them he said who do you think I am And we see in the book of Mark that they were just getting back from a ministry trip, BSSM students. And they were comparing notes. And they were saying, I raised a man from the dead. I'm the greatest. And the next one said, probably Peter said, no, I'm the greatest because I had 1,400 people give their hearts to Jesus. And they began to compare themselves to one another like humans do you're sitting next to somebody right now you oh wait oh wait wait ladies hang on ladies you looking at me right now going what is she wearing right now why did she wear that 
I would never. Oh, come on, ladies. You know what I'm talking about. You walk in them doors and you scope at each other out. Mm, where'd you get them shoes? My shoes might be better than that. And guys, oh, no, no, hey, you can't get out that easy. Some of you single guys out there, you see a pretty girl walk by and you're like, suck it in, look good. Because I'm better than that guy next to me. There's a whole lot of comparison going on. And the disciples were arguing about who is the greatest in Jesus in his loving way. Gets the boys together and he says, What were you guys arguing about? Isn't that funny? He already knew what they were arguing about. And he asks them, what are you arguing about? And then he says, he grabs a little child and he pulls him up on his lap. And he says, if you'll be like this little child and not worry about a position, you aren't the greatest until you become the least, a servant of all Jesus himself was the prime example. They looked at him as a position cuz they didn't quite get it. Judas himself and don't judge him too harshly cuz every one of us have been in a position where we're thinking Jesus is going to save me. He is my healer, he's my deliverer and then as soon as life goes rough or goes south we begin to question is Jesus really real because we think we give our lives to Jesus and everything is going to work out is Jesus a position now I want to go to the second one are you looking through the eyes of Mary Jesus is a possession Turn with me to the book of Luke because we got to make this legal and I have to hurry because I'm running out of time. It is church, so I have to bring scripture into it. Just kidding, pastor. I know you'll probably never have me back. That's okay. I'll be quick. It'll be painless. Chapter two in the book of Luke. We have up on the screen the NIV, but let me read from the Passion Translation. It's the same thing. Just more passionate because I'm a little bit passionate. I just love the music. Oh, don't you love mood music is what I call it because Jesus loves music. Every year, Jesus' parents went to worship at Jerusalem during the Passover festival. When Jesus turned 12, his parents took him to Jerusalem to observe Passover, as was their custom. Pay attention to that. A full day after they began their journey home, Joseph and Mary realized that Jesus was missing. They had assumed he was somewhere in their entourage, but he was nowhere to be found. After a frantic search among relatives and friends, Mary and Joseph returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After being separated from him for three days, interesting, three days, they finally found him in the temple sitting among the Jewish teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard Jesus speak were astounded at his intelligence and the understanding that he had and 
what was being discussed and at his wise answers to their questions. His parents were shocked. My translation says Mary scolded him, saying, Son, your father and I have searched for you everywhere. We have been worried sick over not finding you. Why would you do this to us? Mary, can you imagine approaching the Son of God? She gave him birth and knew he was God's son. And she's scolding him at 12 years old. Why? Why would you do this to us? I'm a mom. How many moms do we have in the... Oh, come on. You know when your kids do something and you're like, why? Now, how many dads do we have in the room? You would be going, "Uh uh-uh, that ain't happening. But the moms are going, why would you do this just like Mary did? Because Jesus was the Son of God, is the Son of God, and she knew it. She was worried. Can you imagine if it was you, if it was me? Oh, my goodness, I lost the Son of God. I'd be freaking out. Oh, my goodness. And it's my responsibility. I birthed him, Jesus. Where is Jesus? So she would go to Jesus. Son, why would you do this to us? He was a possession. He was her responsibility. Is Jesus your possession? Your responsibility? You have to come to church. You have to read your Bible for 15 minutes every day. And you have to pray for an hour and a half. And then you can be worthy of coming into church. He's your responsibility. This religious walk has to look a certain way. Because God forbid, if you don't walk that straight line. And you might take a drink. uh Uh-oh. Of alcohol. Uh Uh-oh. Or you may take a puff of a cigarette. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh, that all of a sudden disqualifies you. May go, oh, listen, I, can't. I grew up in a very strict religion. And if you went to a movie, you were in hell for the rest of your life. Oh, let me tell you this. If you wore pants as a woman, you were condemned to hell. If you wore makeup or cut your hair, you could not be religious at all. You were cast and damned into hell. Sweet heavenly Jesus. I was headed to hell. And in many religious circles, I still am. Except for when we're walking this walk and we feel responsible within ourselves to control everything and things go off a little bit. What about when you pray for someone and they don't get healed? Is that your responsibility? What happens if you walk up to somebody and ask them if they want to know Jesus and they turn you down? Is that your responsibility? Is Jesus a responsibility? In the book of Mark, we know that Mary also looked at Jesus as a responsibility because Jesus had just finished praying and he was in the synagogue in Jerusalem, in Nazareth, where he was raised. And he spoke in the synagogue and said, the prophecy of Isaiah is now fulfilled. I 
have fulfilled this prophecy. And they all begin to say, is this Mary and Joseph's son? How? He's not the son of God. And they got angry and they went to throw him off the cliff. It's that city that Jesus now came back to. And the crowds were following him because now he's, all these miracles are happening and all of these people are gathered around him. And Mary and her son, other sons and daughters heard that Jesus was back in town. And we know this because we see that in the book of Mark chapter 3, verse 21, when Jesus' own family heard that he was there, they went to seize him. For they said, he's insane. He's lost his mind. He's out of his mind. Something's wrong. We have to do an intervention. We've got to get him out of there. So they go to get Jesus out of there. And what does Jesus say? The people say, hey, your mom and brothers are out there. They want to talk to you. They probably, Mary probably want to say, son, listen, hey, we got to talk about this. You're the son of God. They wanted to kill you before. They're probably going to think you're insane now because the religious leaders thought he was doing this by Satan. He was casting people, demons out of people. And they thought, Mary probably thought, son, you can't do this. They're going to cast you out. They tried to kill you before. Come on. Come on home. Let's, let's, let's put some sense back into you. Because, see, when he is a possession and your responsibility, it has to look a certain way. Mm, but there's a third. There's a third way to look at Jesus. And I want you to follow with me right now to that third way because that's the way I want to live my life. In the book of Luke, chapter 7, and we all know this story very well. From 44 to 50, we know about the woman. You know, the woman. The woman who is known in the community as the prostitute. And she walks into Simon's house, the religious leader. And all the disciples are there and all the religious leaders are there. And here's this woman who begins to fall at Jesus' feet. And she begins to worship him. Because she is so passionate about the lover of her soul. And she begins to anoint him. And she begins to love on him through her passion, through her hope, through her deliverance. Because the third way that you can relate to Jesus is through passion. So he's no longer... A position to get you out of hell and put you somewhere. Give you a great ministry. but And he's no longer a responsibility or a possession. He becomes the passion of your life. He becomes the reason that you live. And it don't matter what the world may say about you because you are passionately in love with the king of kings and lord of lords who 
out of that passion that allows me to stand and face those people that want to kill me. Those people that are shooting daggers at me because I'm preaching the love that they cannot feel. And when they have a resistance to you, it's probably because they've been hurt by religion. They've been hurt by people judging them. Oh, but when you are passionately in love with Jesus, they want what you have, but sometimes they don't even know it. So if you can love the way Jesus loves you, they see him in your eyes. They see him in your smile. They hear him in your voice. And you don't have to be at a church to love because he is your passion. He is your life. He is the lover of your soul. I was standing three years after my husband had walked out on me and my two children who were very young at the time on a prayer line at Bethel Church in Redding, California back in the day before we became Bethel Cool (laughs) we were not yet known much like New Horizon which that's going to change real quick we were standing in prayer lines and they had All of the chairs, it was a Sunday night, pushed aside, and everyone stood in lines. Now we have fire tunnels because there's just too many people. We just got to keep moving them through. But then we were standing in line. And the prayer team would go around, and they would be praying over everyone. The Holy Spirit was moving, and people were just dropping on the floor. Like, I thought they were being pushed over. Because I'm three years now into my husband, the love of my life, the one that I had given my life to for 16 years and two kids later, had left me. I was devastated. I didn't even know. Actually, our church started even going through this crazy, weird time. And a lot of people started leaving. So I'm standing in the prayer lines and they're flopping down like, so here's what I did. Uh Uh-uh, I ain't going down. I am not going to do that because I don't do that. I am a Christian and I believe in Jesus. That's new age and that's something that I'm not familiar with. So I took the stance. Okay, I'll be prayed for because I was hurting. And I settled in. Knees bent, one in front of the other. I'm just giving you some clues right now. If you don't want to go down, do this. And you take your position and you just stand there and hold your ground. And then I open my eyes once in a while and find out where the prayer team was. And they were coming in my direction. People are flopping down. I'm like, "Mm mm-mm. And the closer they got to me, the more resolve I got. "Uh Uh-uh, you ain't doing it. I'm not going down. The next thing I remember, you know where this is going, don't you? I'm getting up off of the floor after how long, I don't know. 
But while I was down there, the Lord took me on this journey. And I saw him standing at a distance. And he's doing this with his hand. And in his other hand, he's holding something in his hand. And the closer I got, the more I saw this was a human heart. Now, it wasn't one of those pretty Valentine hearts. It was an ugly human heart that was actually black and dripping with ooze. I'm going to give you a really good appetite right now because I know you're hungry. I can hear your stomachs growling. So let me help you out a little bit. It was gross. And he motioned for me to come with his free arm a little closer. So the closer I got, he grabbed his arm around my waist and he pulled me in next to this ugly, oozing, gross heart. And as he did, it melded into his chest and it disappeared as he held me. And as he held me in this position, I began to feel the rhythm of his heart beat with mine. I was so angry at him. I was so mad. God, how could you let this happen to me? I only dated Christian men before I got married. It was boys. I was actually very young when we got married, but we never had sex before marriage. Oh, can we say that word in church here? Is that okay? Okay. We were pure. And God, yet he left me. Why? I was mad at God. I said, why did you let this happen to me? And he holds me in that place. And he bends over and he whispers in my ear, will you let me be your husband? I wake up from that encounter on the floor and there is a little, literally a diamond ring on my left hand. And I looked at it and I jumped up. My best friend was sitting in the back of the church and I ran up to her and I said, Janice, Janice, I couldn't even talk. And she said, yes, I see it. We were very close. I didn't even finish my words. She said, yes, I see it. And yes, it's real. What happened? She said, When you went down, which, by the way, they didn't even get up to you. You went down, and she, you'd been down there maybe five minutes, and she walked by, and she stopped at the door of the sanctuary. She turned around and walked back, bent down and did something, but I didn't know what she was doing, and then she left. And I said, what did she look like? She described her to me, and then I just bolted out the door looking for her, never found her. 14 years later, I'm at a women's conference at Bethel, and I'm sharing this testimony. And the woman was in the audience, and she comes up to me afterwards, and she said, that was me. That was me. And I said, what happened? What was going on? Why did you do that? And she said, I walked past you, and Jesus told me to stop to turn around and to give you this family heirloom, this diamond ring that I had. He said, because I want to betroth her. When Jesus becomes your passion, all things are possible even in the middle of your darkest night. Because he's so in love, he's so in love, he's so in love. 
He said, in the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. And he lives inside of each and every one of you. And if you believe that with every ounce of your being, I want you to stand to your feet. And if you desire to not look at Jesus as a possession, something that you have to control, something that you are responsible for, something that you have to perform for, and you don't want Jesus as a position to give you something like a ministry or a place in the kingdom, but you want to look to Jesus with passion, and accept him with that passion. I want you to raise your hands up to him. And I'm going to sing fresh passion over you right now. Holy Spirit fall with a fresh anointing to go where no one else is going to say what no one else is saying to a lost and dying world right here in Fife right here in my community I will share the love of Jesus because I am passionately madly head over heels in love with Jesus it's all about Jesus anyway it's not about me it's not about you it's about Jesus completely filling me and completely filling you so Lord have your way have your way have your way in our lives today can I have the Bethel team come on up front come across the front my interns the the students everyone come on up front and I feel like that they're going to encourage you today if you want to word, if you want healing, if you want prayer, they are really amped and ready to go. They could have gone anywhere in the world on their missions trip this week, but they chose to come to Washington because they felt a call. In fact, a couple are from Seattle area. And so they're here to bless you. They're here to prophesy and pray over you to share the love of Jesus. So if you'll receive, I'm going to ask Pastor Dwayne to come up and give some direction. But just receive. Keep your hearts open to receive. Keep them open to receive. 